Amen. It's good to be here with you guys today. Kind of a crazy week we had. We were going to have church here in person, and then we weren't, and then we were again. So I'm glad that if you're here with us this morning, that when you are here, if you're tuning in with us online, can you guys hear me? This is doing some crazy stuff. I never use these things. So. Uh, glad that you guys are here with us today. Um, if you're tuning in with us online, we're we're, we're also glad that you're here. Grateful for technology that even though we might be apart in some ways, that we can still all be together no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. I know we have people tuning in in different states even, so it's so cool that we're able to be here together today. If you're visiting with us or just unfamiliar with Lake Oma, uh, my name is Austin Peace. I'm the youth and worship minister here at Lake Oma. Our preacher James is with family this weekend, and so lucky for you guys, you get the third string. So lucky for you guys, glad that I can be here today. If you guys are going to leave, I won't be offended if you guys don't want to hear this message, but we're going to have some fun today um, and diving into God's Word together. Um, so for the past few months, we've been kind of tackling the Sermon on the Mount. James has done an awesome job with that going through. We started um, we started the very beginning. We've gone mostly, for the most part, verse by verse through through this through this sermon and just dissecting what Jesus has to say and trying to figure out what it means for us today. So if you've got your Bible, let's turn over to Matthew 5, 33 through 37. It's the verse that Carson read for us this morning. So today we're going to tackle the topic of oaths. Um, it's kind of a weird topic when you first hear it. Um, it's not nearly as controversial, not as nearly as emotional as some of our last Summer on the Mount sermons have been, like adultery and divorce. But I would say that this is probably more applicable to all of us. This is something that all of us probably struggle with at one time or another. So let's read this verse together. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by, or, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need is to say, all you need to say is simply yes or no, Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So if you're like me, when you see this verse, just at first glance, it's, it's kind of a weird verse. You know, oaths and promises, you know, they're a big part of our culture today. You know, we make, we make promises to each other. If you've ever been to court, you've probably had to lay your hand on the Bible, lift your right hand, and make, make an oath that you're going to tell the truth. If you've, you know, we sign contracts even, promises that we're going to pay the person to do the job, or if you're the person doing the job, that you'll do the job as long as they're going to pay you for their service. And so, you know, Jesus isn't telling us that we shouldn't do these things anymore. He's not telling us that we shouldn't make promises, that we shouldn't make oaths. It's, it's, it's a lot more than that. In fact, I mean, I had a, a, there was a couple that I went to school with that were very careful not to use the word vow or oath in their marriage vows because of this verse. And, you know, it's much deeper than just saying, not saying I swear or I promise anymore. It's so much more to that. And so I think we need to figure out what is Jesus really talking about here? What is he getting at? And to do that, we need to really dive into the context of what he's talking about here. And so James has said this a few times, and a lot of you guys know this, but you know, the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't written 
to us 2020 Christian Americans. In fact, it was written to a people that weren't even Christian, a bunch of ancient Jewish people that lived 2000, over 2,000 years ago. And so they have their own customs, their own traditions, their own set of issues that they needed to be critiqued on, just like we have our own set of issues that we need to be critiqued on. And so many of us know that a lot of Jesus' ministry was spent you know, bantering back and forth with the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, they, these guys were experts in religious law. You know, we look at the Old Testament and call that law, and these guys, probably, they had this memorized. They, they were very well-read, well-known. They knew what they were, they knew their scripture. They knew their law. And, you know, while there's a lot of respect to that, a lot of respect to knowing that, and something that we could probably learn from that, you know, a lot of the times they would use this knowledge to their advantage, to interpret the law in ways that benefited them. Instead of doing the will of God, they were working to benefit themselves. And so a lot of us who study the Bible, you've probably used something called a commentary before. You know, maybe we have a commentary at our house sitting on the bookshelf. I know I've got a few. A lot of times they're just collecting dust. Um, But sometimes, you know, they're, they're on the internet. We look them up on the internet, read a commentary if there's something in the Bible that we just don't quite understand and want to get some more of an expert's opinion on. Well, the Jewish people of this day, they had something very similar. They had uh, what's called the Mishnah, and it, it's, it's essentially just a commentary. A lot of you guys might write outside to the, to the outside of your Bibles. This was very similar to what the rabbis of this day were doing. They would make notes out to the side, and this would become kind of commentary that they could go back and look on as they were interpreting the scriptures, they were interpreting law. And oaths, this topic of oaths was a huge topic that, is, is that this Mishnah referenced. You know, we, we look at the law in, in, in the first five books of the Bible, and they had a lot to say about oaths. And so the, the writers, the rabbis, had a lot to teach on when they, were, when they talked about this. You know, they, they talked about which oaths were legally binding, which oaths carried a lot of power, which oaths meant more than some oaths. And so... They, they interpreted these things a lot of the times for themselves. And so this was important to the Jews of Jesus' day. You know, they swore these oaths all the time. They, and they swore on a lot of different things. I mean, even here in this verse, you get to see that they're swearing on heaven, on Jerusalem. And so when they were, wanted to swear on something, they would swear, they really meant, they would swear on something really big. Something like, you know, I swear on the temple. I swear on the temple. I swear on God. Whatever it may be, I swear on Yahweh. And they would make these vows, these oaths to people if they really meant it, something big. But a lot of the times, if they didn't really mean it, if they meant something else, or maybe they they would make an oath on something maybe a little bit smaller, something that didn't hold as much power, maybe on their beard or something like that if they weren't going to do it. And a lot of the times they would be really dishonest. If they didn't want to do something or something else happened, how many of us have ever like been invited to go to a dinner or something and we then get invited to another dinner that we'd rather go to rather than that dinner? A lot of the times they would do the same thing. And so they would swear on something. They would say, I swear on the gold in the temple rather than the temple itself. And the gold in the temple technically held more power. And so they would say, well, I made this other oath that has more power than this other oath I made to you, so I, I don't have to do this anymore. And so basically what's happening is they're interpreting this law, the scripture, for themselves. 
They're teaching this culture, this society, that it's okay to be dishonest. They're creating a culture of dishonesty, a culture of manipulation of, and semantics. And when we really look at it, it looks very similar to our society today. You know, it's a lot like when we cross our fingers, say we're going to do something and then we don't do it. Or maybe we declare an opposite day. You know, we say, you look really pretty today. Just kidding, it's opposite day. You know, we, we, and so what Jesus is doing here, he's calling a big old double opposite day on these people. And so at the end of this, at the end of this verse, you know, it says, Jesus says, let your yes be yes. You know, people, like I said earlier, people try to make this passage say a lot of different things, like we shouldn't swear an oath, that we shouldn't swear a vow. But like we said, this isn't what Jesus is saying at all. The vow isn't the thing. The integrity is the thing. The integrity is the thing, not the vow. Honesty and, and integrity, following through on what we say that we're going to do. You know, you say what you mean and you do what you say. And so that's what Jesus is telling his followers. He, you know, he's telling them, you know, I want people who dare to follow me to be honest people, salt of the earth people, trustworthy people, people that when, when they say that they're going to do something, that they mean it when they say something, we know that they can trust them because their word is their word. And so this is really convicting to me. In fact, just this week, a little funny story for you guys. You know, I a few months ago, a little kitten ran underneath Abby's car on the way home from church. And there's a picture of the kitten if you guys want to look at it. I know some people like to see little kittens like that. She, she's a cutie. Her name's Nefertiri. Um, Abby named her, so weird name. I don't know why we, we named it that, but the cat's name is Nefertiri. So. But anyway, when we first got her, you know, we said, we said you know, we're going to take this kitten to the, we're going to take it to the shelter the next day. And, you know, as things go, one day turns into two days, two days turns into three days, three days turns into four, but before you know it, you have the kitten a week, two weeks, and, you know, I'm still trying to hold true to myself and say, you know, we're going to take this kitten to the shelter, we're going to find it a new home, and Abby says, finally just says, no, we're going to keep the kitten, we're going to keep it, and, you know, I said, at first I said, no, we're not going to keep it, and she said, we're going to keep it, and so we compromised, and now we have a cat, so... <laughs> That's what being married's like. We're four months in, and I, I'm already learning how to compromise. So, <laughs> but so we've got this cat, Nefertiri. She's awesome. I mean, she keeps us busy. She's entertaining. So we like we like having her around. You know, she's a little feisty, but she keeps us entertained. Well, at the beginning, like I said, we, we weren't planning on keeping this cat. We weren't planning on keeping it, and so we, we've been kind of for like three months now. Luckily, she doesn't really like the outside, but we've been hiding her in our apartment because we live in an apartment complex and to live there we would ha and have a pet we would have to pay a pet deposit that's hundreds of dollars our rent would go up we don't want to do that and so you know we we've been hiding her if any maintenance guys come in we oftentimes will hide the kitten in the closet so that they don't see her and we don't get a note on our door well you know as things go when you have a pet a lot of times you talk about the pet sometimes when they do something funny and so this week um, I'm talking to James and Mike about this kitten, just telling her some funny things that she had done. And Mike says to me, he says, Austin, have you paid the pet deposit yet? And, you know, I start blubbering and making excuses and trying to say that. And he goes, Austin, aren't you preaching on integrity this weekend? <laughs> and so thank you, Mike, for that. It's, it's good to have a friend like that. Thank you, Mike. But no, it's good to have a friend like that. It's good to have friends that hold us accountable to those things. But, you know, that's a lesson 
for another day. But, you know, we all struggle with situations like these. You know, a lot of the times it's not going to be, it's not going to be a kitten that you have to pay a pet deposit on. Like I said, maybe it's going to a different party than the one that you said that you were going to go to originally. Maybe it's a white lie that you told. Maybe it's something a little bit bigger than that. Maybe it, it, it boils down into our marriage vows that we make. Maybe in the business world, it's signing a contract that you know that you can't keep. You know, you, you tell somebody that you're going to do something and you either don't do it or you show up late. You've all experienced something like that. And so when we, we've all been in a place where we've either lied, said we were going to do something, tried to de- deceive somebody, made decisions that lack integrity. And you know, when we look at our society today, like we said, it looks a lot like the society during Jesus' day. We, we live in a very dishonest world, a world where we're told it's okay to lie. If we don't want to do something, we don't have to do it, even if we've said that we want to do it. You know, we're in an election year, and, you know, wh- whatever side you're on, a lot of the, if you ask somebody, do you trust the politician that you're going to vote for, I mean, a lot of the times you probably don't trust them to do everything that you, they say that they're going to do. You know, you think of like the used car salesman telling this is the best car, it works. You drive off the lot, it breaks down after you've already paid them all of your money. You think of the business world, maybe like we talked about, where you, how many of you guys have had somebody come out to do a job and they either don't do the job the way they said they were going to do the job or they tell you it's going to be this much and then it ends up being this much after they do all the extra things that they didn't tell you that they were going to have to do. We live in a society that's like this. And, you know, we all know somebody, maybe it's us, that we don't know how to tell the truth. I know people that I'm not even sure know how to tell the truth. They've lived a life of lies for so long that they don't even know how to tell the truth anymore. And so Jesus' whole message here, it's not about the oaths. It's about the integrity. It's about having integrity. You know, when we look at the Bible, you know, we talk about these sins, these things that hold a lot of weight. And, you know, we, maybe it's murder or um, sexual immorality or something like that. But, you know, dishonesty and, and just the, the idea of integrity, it's a huge, huge deal to God. It is a massive deal to God. And when we look at our Bibles, you know, it says in Proverbs 12, 22, that God detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. You know, he doesn't just hate, he doesn't just dislike lying lips. He detests it. I mean, that's a very chosen word. He, he hates lying lips. He can't stand it. You know, when we look at the, you, you know, we, we talk about God being a holy God. You know, we sing that song, Only a Holy God. The Hebrew concept of holiness means one. Now, how many of us know integers? What, what's an integer? An integer is a whole number, right? It's not, it's not 0.5, it's not 0.75, it's not 0.999999, it's a whole number. If God is one, God is integrity. The whole idea of God is integrity. You know, when we look at the Bible even, even closer, not, I mean, to get a little bit dark with you guys, just a little bit, you know, we look at the Bible, there's 160 different times when God decides he's going to strike down somebody. 
Maybe that looks like a plague. It's either directly or indirectly. He allows a battle to be won in favor of somebody, somebody's side. So there's 160 different spots. Well, in the New Testament, there's only one, there's only one mention of it. It's in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. If you know the story, you remember that they sold their property and they gave, you know, they kept some of it and then they gave the rest of it to the church. And, you know, they tell the church, you know, this is all the money that we have. And, you know, the apostles call them out. They say, no, you're lying. That's not all of your money. And what happens? They, I mean, they fall over dead. I mean, that would be like, some, me just, it was really just a white lie at the end of the day. You know, it's their money. They don't have to give that money to the church. How many of you guys give all of your money to the church? And, you know, you, you probably don't. You only give a percentage of it. And so, I mean, they get called out on this lie, just this little white lie, and they, they fall over dead. It's, it'd be like me asking one of you in this audience a question you lie to me, and you just fall over dead. I mean, that, how crazy is that? It's such a big deal to God that, you know, literally the only example in the New Testament is, it, it's a, of somebody dying because of, because of God. Is, 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 it's an issue of integrity. It matters to God. It's a huge, huge deal. And so what do we do? How, do? how do we do this? You know, like we said, some of us lack integrity somewhere in our life. We've lied before we've made that kind of decision before. And, you know, like I said, I'm the youth minister here, and a lot of the times what we talk about in youth group, we use this phrase a lot, we have to do a heart check. We have to examine our hearts and see what, what's, what's important to us. Are our hearts filled with integrity, or are they not? Are we the real deal? Do we have a completeness of character? And so just a few practical questions that I think we can go through and ask ourselves is, is just this. You know, number one, are you keeping your commitments? Are you keeping your commitments? You know, we've just, we just finished two, two lessons on adultery and divorce, which is just one. We, we talked about marriage vows. How many of us are keeping our vows to our spouse? How many of us are not lusting after somebody else? How many of us do what we say that we're going to do for our spouse? 100% of the time. You know, we're living in a, in a time when, you know, money can be kind of tight. You know, a lot of, a lot of us may be out of a job or we know somebody that's out of a job. And, you know, a lot of the times we're thinking about money right now, but when we look at it, a lot of us might have some debts. Are we paying those debts? Are we making sure that we're paying debts on time? Are we making the payments if we borrowed, borrowed money from somebody that we said we were going to pay back? Are we paying those back? You know, are we keeping to our schedules? You know, even, even your schedule, are you keeping to your schedule and the schedule of others? Do you show up late to things? Do you not show up at all to things? I mean, it sounds really simple and like that, not that big of a deal, but it is. You know, volunteering, stuff like that. Are you showing up? You know, big thing, when you say you're going to pray for somebody, do you pray for that person after you walk away from that conversation? You know, when we look at the family, when we look at our family, are we taking the kids to the park after work when we said we would? Are we going to take our family on a vacation when the busy times at work are finally over? Like we said that we, that we would. Do we play ball after work, maybe? Question number two, are you over committing? 
Are we, do we overcommit to things? You know, it's interesting because Jesus says, let your yes be yes, but he also says that we need to know how to say no. Some of us need to learn that word, that word of no. Whenever you say yes to something, you say no to a thousand other things. You say no to a thousand different things. If you say yes to work, that may mean no to family or God. If you say yes to TV, it may mean no to prayer. Question three, do you exaggerate? You know, I know so many people that I have to be really careful about because, you know, they over-exaggerate what they have. You know, they say they have more money than they do. You know, we talked about overcommitting, but they say they have more time than they do. You know, we look at, sometimes you look at people's houses and stuff like that, and, and they're over-exaggerating with that. They can't afford that house. They can't afford that car. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, the Lord detests, there's that word again, detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. You know, the Lord hates it when we stretch the truth, exaggerate when we lie for our own advantage, for our own gain. You know, why, why do we do this? Why, do we, why are we dishonest? Why has it been drilled in us? And a lot of the times, somebody, you, you've been told not to lie, but, you know, society, it just, it's just drilled into us. We can't escape that. You know, we want people to look at us and think that we look good. You know, a lot of, in Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted people to think maybe they were a little bit holier than they were. You know, they gave all their money instead of just a portion of it. You know, we want to seem smarter, so we might embellish a resume. You know, we want to, like, kind of like Ananias and Sapphira, we want to look holier, and so we might wear a mask, not one of these masks, but, you know, just a mask and cover up those secret sins in our life, those sins that just seem to be there, that we don't want anybody to know about. We all have some kind of secret sin in our life that we're keeping away. You know, maybe it looks like, like we said, having a bigger house, a nicer house than we should, having a nicer car than we should. We want people to like us. We want to get our own way. That's something that we need. That's something that we want. So we make all of these decisions, and we've built an illusion of who we want, to, want people to think we are, but who we aren't. We don't have that integrity. When we look at Jesus' teachings, even later on in the Bible, you know, he says he wants us to be free. He desires for us to be free. John 8, 31 through 32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He tells us the truth will set us free. How many of us want to be free? You know, we live in this country that we say we want to be free. It's a, it's a big thing to us. We want to be free, free from the burden of having to cover up, free from the burden of having to lie, hide, make promises and excuses, make promises that we break and make excuses that we can't keep. And when you come to a place in your life where you can just trust God and know that God is there for you, Know that God loves you, that you're made in his image, and that this character that he's made you, that's enough. That's all that you need to be. He's got your back. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It doesn't matter what you want. It just matters what God wants. And, you know, we don't even have to cover up and avoid consequences because God takes care 
of those consequences. You don't have to go around keeping appearances or making yourself out to be something that you're not. You can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, as Christ followers, we have to understand that the truth isn't just something we try to live by. It's who we're following. Jesus is the truth. You know, the truth is a person. He says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to be with Jesus, we're following the truth. And the more and more we follow the truth, some of us are at different stages in our walk. Some of us are. But the really cool thing about Jesus, the more you look, the more you study, the more you just experience Jesus, you get to see that he, that God, that the Holy Spirit, that they're 100% faithful to their word. You know, they've never broken a promise. You, all the way back to Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to, to Moses, to Noah, all of these huge, David, all of these people in, in the Old Testament and into the New Testament, we get to see that Jesus comes. You know, he said he died for us. And he did. More importantly, he said, he'd rise again in three days. And he did. And you know, he tells us he's going to come back. He's going to bring us away from this world, from this dishonest world, from this world of pain and hurt. You know, because he rose again in three days, we have the hope to know that he's going to keep that promise as well. You know, I don't know when we look at our life, what a better example integrity is when we look at Jesus, when we look at God and their promises that they make to us. Promises that we can lean into and be encouraged by. Promises that give us life and hope and set us free. And so as we break out today, I want, you, I want to encourage you guys to evaluate your life. Do you have integrity? Do you lack integrity? Are you living a lie right now? Do you have a problem with do you have a problem with saying you're going to do something and not doing it? You know, to an extent, you know, not everybody can always be convicted by topics like adultery and divorce like we said or like like James has talked about in the past couple weeks, but you know, we can be convicted by this teaching because this is a teaching that we all struggle with. You know, I hope that we that we're able to pray and lean into Jesus's perfect record of integrity. And strive to do the same. Some of you may be, may be feeling a little bit convicted by what God has to say today. Maybe you need to come and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's not necessarily to the church. Maybe you just know somebody that you need to go to and tell them you're sorry. Maybe you need to just go to somebody and say, you know, I'm sorry for not keeping my promise to you. I'm sorry for being dishonest. For some of us, we may want to be, a, we may want to, look, we look at this example of Jesus and we trust in that promise. We want to give our life to God today and lean into those promises. And we'd encourage you guys that if, if that's something that you're thinking about, that you, you make that decision. We've got elders in the back. We, you know, if you're tuning in online, you can't be with us today. You can reach out to us. You can send us an email, send James an email, send myself an email, Mike, any of our elders an email. Reach out to somebody here at the church. If those are questions that you have that you want to talk about, you know, we're here for you guys today and every day. As Christians, I hope that we can live true and honest lives.
Let's stand as we sing.